This is the Warm Springs program on KWSO. I'm Neil Morningell. Monica Vaca, who is a deputy director for the Bureau of Consumer Protection of the Federal Trade Commission, was part of a presentation about spotting and avoiding scams in Indian country. Thank you so much, and thank you to everyone for joining us today. This is so important for us to be here with you, and I'm really delighted to have the opportunity to talk with you directly. So the FTC has long been dedicated to protecting demographically diverse communities across the country as part of what we call our Every Community Initiative. But today, I want you to know that it is a priority at the FTC to reach out to Native American communities. Um, We want to connect with you. We want to hear from you. And we'd love to work with you. Um, So part of what we are doing today is trying to start a conversation about what fraud looks like, what we hear, uh, how to report it, and to share with you what it is that we know so you can help your communities avoid losing money to scams. So I'll give you a brief introduction to the FTC's work and how we do it with the goal of making sure that you know about our resources and how we might work together. Um, and I'll give you that in a moment. But first, I want to share with you a little bit about what we know about fraud and how fraud affects people. So I'm going to give you the last full year's worth of data that we have, and that's for 2021. In 2021, we had more than 2.9 million reports about fraud. And about one quarter of those people who reported fraud told us that they lost money. And those losses really added up. It was $6.1 billion. And and that's just what we heard about. We know that fraud losses exceed that number. Um, We know that fraud losses are much higher. But just consider $6.1 billion is what people told us that they lost. What does this mean to an individual person? Well, to an individual who experiences fraud, that median loss, um, the median loss reported to us was $500. And I don't need to tell you that's a lot of money to lose, $500. Um, So we want people to be on the lookout for some of the scams um, that come along. Um, In 2021, that top scam, the number one scam that was reported to us was the imposter scam. This is where someone contacts you and pretends to be somebody you trust typically a government agency or a business, a well-known business or somebody else that you trust. They might tell you that your social security number was used in a crime and that you have to pay some money to restore it. Or they might tell you that they are from Amazon and they need your bank account to process a refund. Um, These scams are rampant and they cost people billions of dollars. In 2021, and I'm just talking about imposter scams, just on imposter scams, it was $2.4 billion that people reported losing. And on some of these imposter scams, the individual loss was much higher than what I told you a moment ago. When you think of all the scams, on imposter scams, the loss was more like $1,000 per person. Okay. And you all know that there are some illegal business practices that are even more costly. I'm going to talk about one of those in a moment. But first, let me tell you about what the FTC does when we get this information about frauds and scams. Um, So primarily the Federal Trade Commission is a law enforcement agency. We bring civil lawsuits to do two things. First, to stop illegal practices. And second, when it's possible to get refunds back to people who've suffered financial losses. 
And how we do that is to identify law enforcement targets. These are businesses that are violating the laws that we enforce. And we have some hurdles to be able to do this, but it's our goal in every single case to try to return money to people who lost money due to illegal practices. So I'm going to give you an example of an important case. It's a case that had a big impact on the Native American um, population in New Mexico and Arizona. Um, and, you know, I hope that by sharing this with you, you will see one reason why it's a good idea to share your your reports of the, of the bad business practices that you encounter um, with the with the FTC. Um, and I'll repeat this later, but the way to do that is to report to us at reportfraud.ftc.gov. And I'll repeat that later. Um, so I'm going to talk about the Tate's Auto Group case. Uh, in 2018, the FTC charged a group of four auto dealers operating in Arizona and Mexico, New Mexico, near the border of the Navajo Nation. Um, we charged them with a range of illegal activities, including falsifying consumers' income and down payment information on vehicle financing applications and misrepresenting important financial terms. Uh, so, you know, buying a car is one of the biggest purchases consumers make, and it's incredibly necessary for people. Um, it's their lifeline to be able to um, get from place to place. When consumers go in and tell an auto dealer how much money they make and how much they can pay up front, the dealer can't make up different numbers, right? And that is what we charged Tate's Auto Group with doing. We charged the, the, uh, the defendants in that case um, with, uh, with a range of practices, including that they prevented people from reviewing the income and down payment information on their forms uh, by doing things like rushing consumers through the, through the process of reviewing and signing those financial applications, uh, having the consumers fill out the forms over the phone, which makes it very difficult, as you know, to review those forms, and then failing to give them the income and down payment portion of the application before they signed it. Um, in some other instances, we alleged that um, Tate's Auto altered financing documents after consumers had signed them and without the consumer's knowledge. And we noted in particular that many of the affected consumers are members of the Navajo Nation. This was the first FTC action that alleged income falsification by an auto dealer. Um, so this was a very significant case for us. <coughs> Excuse me. As a result of bringing this case, um, the FTC is sending back payments totaling more than $415,000 to 3,500 consumers who financed a car or truck at Tate's auto dealership after January 1, 2013, and who later had that vehicle repossessed. In addition, as part of the court-approved settlement, those auto dealerships had to cease business operations. So that is an example of the work that the FTC does, stopping the, the practice and trying to get money back for consumers. Joni Way is the assistant director for the Midwest region of the Federal Trade Commission, and she talks about other resources for helping to combat fraud in Indian country. 
So now we welcome Joni Wei, Assistant Director for the FTC's Midwest Region. Ms. Wei. One last thing I want to highlight is podcasts. There's an organization called the Native Learning Center. It's a wonderful, it's a national organization that has a really wide network of um, community members. They reach people through webinars and podcasts. For example, their podcast has 7,000 downloads. So we are recording a series of podcasts with this group. Again, such an incredible opportunity to share information. <laughs> Hello, Crystal from Native Learning Center. <laughs> um, so what are people telling us in these conversations? Uh, Monica covered some of the top national scams that we're seeing. Community, community members are telling us about, <laughs> um, community members are telling us about what is happening to them. A lot, we are hearing a lot about the, the similar sort of Tate's auto lending, Tate's auto issues with auto lending and financing. We are hearing a lot about that. We're also hearing from people about these phishing emails. So they are emails that include invoices that look very real. I'm sure all of us here have received some of them. They look real. They try to lure people into clicking on them and, and share personal information. Small businesses have told us that they are getting um, impacted by ransomware and other hackers attacks. Uh, and uh, companies are also uh, offering debt relief services, but not really providing any real help. Um, another one we've been hearing about is robocalls. This is a problem everyone I think is familiar with, but we are getting bombarded by robocalls um, from people pretending to be the government, like Monica mentioned, these imposter scams, pretending to be the IRS, pretending to be social security and so on. We are hearing from our native communities that tech support scams are popular, um, especially with older adults. One thing people have been telling us about as well as gift cards, they are being told to pay using gift cards. And that is 100% a scam, always a scam if somebody tells you to pay by a gift card. Um, we have heard these stories, there are many more, but th those are just some highlights. We are hearing them anecdotally, but we know these issues are impacting communities broadly. So what can people do to avoid these scams? Um, just really quickly, there are a few key things that people can do. I mean, the number one high level point that Sandy made when she opened is that information is power. We need to talk, 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 and keep talking about these scams because the more we do this, the more we will help people spot them and avoid them. But here are a few key things you can remember that will help you avoid um, many, many scams. The first one is just don't give your personal or financial information in response to a request that you didn't expect. You just have to guard this information aggressively and be suspicious. I think my default is to be suspicious of these requests. Resi the second thing is resist the pressure to act immediately. Scammers are always going to tell you, you have to do it right now. They want to create this urgency. Um, so you act without thinking. And the, the reality is that is a huge red flag and it's rarely going to be an emergency. Do not ever pay somebody via a gift card, cryptocurrency, or a money transfer service like MoneyGram or Western Union. Uh, if, you, if someone asks you to pay this way, it's likely a scam. And then the last piece of advice is just stop and talk. 
to somebody, even just one person you trust, before you give over your money or your information, if it's something that sounds too good to be true, just pause for a minute and tell one person about it. Chances are this moment of pause will make all the difference and help you avoid a scam. Michael Elliott is the staff attorney for the DNA People's Legal Services of Flagstaff, and he offers some insight on some fraudulent actions on a Native community. Thank you so much. I'm now going to turn to our speaker from Flagstaff, Michael Elliott, staff attorney for DNA People's Legal Services, and his colleague, Sherry a member of the Navajo Nation. Michael, thank you for joining us and bringing us a storyteller for today's briefing. Sure, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm going to be speaking with Sherry, uh, who is a client of DNA, who has agreed um, to talk about her experience uh, confronting a, a consumer fraud, a pretty egregious consumer fraud. Um, uh, in, a t- in the town of Winslow when she was purchasing a car there. Um, she's a member of the Navajo Nation. She lives on the reservation. Um, and uh, before, I, before I start asking her questions, I'm just gonna make some very brief uh, opening remarks just so that we can provide some context. Uh, DNA People's Legal Services is a legal aid organization. and We've been serving members of the Navajo community um, since uh, 1967. Consumer related issues are a pretty big part of what we do. Uh, it's um, so it could be uh, collections cases, it could be consumer matters, uh, contract disputes, things of that nature. Um, and it's probably the second largest category of cases we deal with. And it, it really does affect uh, our, our clients living on the Navajo Nation, particularly around the, the question of buying and financing automobiles. And those, it, it, if you understand sort of the circumstances, um, you'll uh, that there's some some sort of background context uh, that you should probably understand in order to understand why cars are so central um, to to the Navajo and why they're so important and why why perhaps that's why they're they're vulnerable to to these sorts of scams and fraud committed by uh, predatory businesses operating in border towns. So border towns are any of the towns that are uh, not on the reservation, but which. Um, but which serve, you know, have marketplaces that serve members or residents who live on the Navajo Nation. This could be Flagstaff, it could be Page, it could be uh, Holbrook, Winslow, Farmington, Gallup, all of these towns um, where there are Walmarts and car dealers and things of that and and businesses like that, which don't exist on Navajo Nation. So uh, on Navajo, it's very, very large. It's 27,000 square miles. Uh, All of the communities uh, tend to be very dispersed. So they live remotely in in small communities. Um, and so there's, they're very widely diverse or widely dispersed, and they have to travel long distances on pretty bad roads. So there are about 11,000 miles of roads on Navajo Nation, but about 80% of them are dirt or gravel. They're not paved. And the ones that are paved, say 1,500 miles of paved roads, half of them are in very poor repair, um, have a lot of potholes. They have no shoulder, no turning lanes, no, no painted lanes. Um, so it's very rudimentary. Um, and so poor road quality. So uh, the circumstances are that people living remotely have to drive long distances on very bad roads um, to, in order to do business, just to, just to uh, buy groceries or to buy household goods or to get their car repaired. Um, and so they're in a circumstance where they don't have a lot of choices. And 
merchants operating in these border towns know that. Um, they also are, are aware of the sort of cultural barriers which might prevent uh, Navajo customers from getting the best deal. So Navajo is a spoken language. Um, it's not traditionally a written language. So what people say is really what's important and what they're held accountable for. Um, and so when, when a salesperson makes a lot of promises verbally, those are generally going to be trusted. And uh, a lot of times if, if, if the salesperson is unscrupulous, they'll write a, 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 a paper contract, which does not reflect in any way the verbal agreement. On the Navajo Nation border town of Winslow, Arizona, some fraudulent actions by a car dealership has impacted a native community substantially, and an anonymous tribal member has agreed to share their story for some insight on what fraud may look like. Um, for Island, it's really bad. It's a dirt road, and right now it's muddy. Um, I wanted a, a different vehicle because of the road. Um, the road gets really muddy, and when it's snowing, and it, it snow a lot over here. And um, I use the vehicle to, like, like you said, to bring woods and bring water. So I needed um, uh, a good condition vehicle, a little bit higher, higher than from the from the ground. The the other one, the the. The car I had was too low. I needed a new vehicle. One day I went to a um, post office. So I usually get my uh, mail at the post office. I went over there and um, uh, checked my mail and I had a flyer. I had a flyer. So I read it and then it was kind of like clicked my brain. <laughs> So I went to um, I went I went about it. I went to Winslow and I took that flyer in to one of the car dealer. So um, I gave it to one of the uh, salesmen and and then before we went into the um, building, um, he went ahead and. Uh, we went ahead and go on the lot, and he told me to uh, select one of the vehicles from there. So there was two that he offered to me. So I got the one that's with the um, uh, SUV, and it was a four by four. And then we went into the building, and then we started doing the paperwork. My husband was at work at the time, so I was by myself. The flyer said um, they can do a trade-in. So that's why I took the flyer with me and I went over there. I told the salesperson that I needed to um, trade in my car for um, a little bit bigger car or a little bit higher. So that's why I went ahead and select that SUV. I was uh, up to date with my payment, and yes, I did told him that um, I needed to trade in my car and get uh, a better vehicle. And he said, yeah, we can help you. And <clears throat> I told him I want to trade it in. And he said, okay, 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 we'll help you. So. Then we did uh, 
kind of like um, scratch paper on <laughs> He was just doing all, writing all over on that paper and then he took it in into the, another um, office and he kept on coming back in, coming back in. And then I was asked, always, when he comes back in, I always ask him, um, am I doing uh, trading? And then he'll say, don't worry about it, Sherry. We're working on it. Don't worry about it. Yes, he just said, don't worry about it. More than three hours. That was an anonymous tribal member of the Navajo Nation sharing their story of fraudulent operations in Indian country. I'm Neil Morningall reporting for the Warm Springs program on 91.9 FM KWSO.